0: my talk 1071, everything entertainment the adventures of bradley and dawn oh we have to talk about people disrupting movies mm, this is um on? what has happened the washington post did an article bad behavior at barbenheimer reflects a worrying trend oh no it's not just people um you know on their cell phones which is really really annoying but in this article um Well, the first story they talk about is a showing of Barbie that happened in downtown Denver. And um, the theater's manager had to approach a guy and the security as well. And they had to say, you cannot be nude in the theater. (laughs) Um, What? Yeah. One of the security guards is like, dude, you cannot be naked in here. The guy was all confused and upset that he couldn't be naked in the theater. He was getting all worked up. Security guard proceeded to ask the audience to assist in the 86ing of the guy. Um, and uh, like, hey, tell him to get out of here. Like the crowd's responsibility. Get out of here.
1: They Social wanted the pressure, crowd to the help?
0: crowd, Yeah, like tell him to leave. This is all during the movie. And <laughs> what, you know, people are like, my teenage daughters are here. Um, Barbie's still playing in the background. And it's at a critical moment. This one lady is like, I just wanted to see the movie.
1: I, like, I feel like at the point that there's moment. a naked man in the movie theater you turn the lights on turn the movie off, get the naked man out of the theater and then we all go back to our screening. Thank you it's not thank that you hard. it's it's of course I don't run a theater
0: or if you're going to continue with the movie, you can hand out a free pass to everyone and said which if you would like to return to the theater and see this another time, we certainly would love to have you again right
1: yeah. That's See, weird. You've
0: got that. I've
1: never had that happen in a theater. I
0: haven't either. I've seen but... some
1: rude behavior before, but
0: well, how would you like um, to be in the theater with this other guy who um, <laughs> entered an AMC theater in Washington on, the on Sunday? I don't know where in Washington, but um, maybe Washington DC. Um, he was in a pink tank top, tank top body glitter. And loudly identified himself as Ken. Okay. And sounds then about he right. was cheering. He was in the theater like when the Kens came on, he was standing up like, yeah, and dancing and singing along with yeah. the Kens. <laughs> he got he really said,
1: excited.
0: People were like, hey, sit down. And he's like, I'm wasted. Okay. Then he got into a slap fight with one of his acquaintances.
1: Great slap fight. So it sounds like there's a common theme here.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Then you've got other people acting out, people being on TikTok during Oppenheimer, just people like being if on you TikTok, cannot you pay mean, attention, like watching TikTok, they're just they cannot be away from their phones for for oh, three yeah, hours. So they're opening TikTok when you're seeing this film that is so important to totally see annoying. about a tragic thing that happened, and they're like, "What's happening on TikTok?" So this is just um, people throwing things, you know, just absolutely entering theaters late like 20 minutes late that happened to us. Did
1: they so this is an article in the Washington Post did they like talk about like what or it's just like here's some random weird things that are happening at Carbonheimer. Yes. Well,
0: then they're trying to speculate why this is happening and they yeah. bring in psychologists oh, from okay. uh University of California Irvine an expert on stress and personal trauma says this behavior could be linked to a string of recent events. Um we had the pandemic, inflation, um Unfortunately, as we know very well here in <laughs> Minneapolis-St. Paul, yeah. shootings, climate-related disasters, political polarization, and so on, and it's taxed our capacity to cope.
1: Okay, so then we just find ourselves naked in a bar. That's how screaming. you end
0: up naked in a theater, okay. or screaming at Ken's I'm and gonna... singing along Wasted.
1: Yeah, well, that just seems like, hi, drunk people, and, you know, drunk people... I'm pretty sure at movie screenings back in biblical days, you know, biblical they days. they had some overserved individuals who would make a scene <laughs> yeah. on occasion.
0: I think overall it ended up being a couple three or four extreme stories and then just like how people can't pay attention anymore and they're very self-centered.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, That's oh That's the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, uh some of them saying well, What do like, you think
1: what do you think is uh the reason?
0: I I feel like um that people have had to go through a lot of emotional things, and the I think a phone has really, people's phones, they're obsessed with their phones. I think that adds to the whole, like, this is my little world that I create, and at any moment, I can just be in my own world. Yeah. And so, when they have to actually deal with people.
1: God, I wish you could just, like, check your phone. Like, you yes. know, they have those little shoebox things. Sometimes they'll make you do that when you go to certain shows. Screenings, yeah. Like uh, music uh, venues or comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like, you need to put your phone in this little thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. That I've had to nice. do it a couple of times. Um, so it's really um, a matter of, you know, just, it's just like there there really was no solution. But I appreciated them recognizing something that I as you know, have been upset about for a while. They also talked to Alamo and named Alamo as a place that doesn't, they can't, they don't handle any monkey business. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: That's why you like them so much.
0: But you have to pay a premium price for that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not I will say it's not like what? I mean, it is like $16 Mm -hmm. to go to a movie there, but I find it worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure places like that will continue to be successful because there will be people who don't want to deal with, you know, um, Like all that kind of stuff. I will say I was pleasantly surprised when I went to see Barbie that there was not a lot of distraction happening. Mm. But, you know, that's one time. I know that, um, you know, uh, that's not necessarily uh, the way things are. But I was particularly pleased that there were not like distracting people like looking at their phones or talking. My least favorite is, you know, when people start talking. But Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with the movie you know, it's one thing if it's, yeah. like, related to what's actually happening on screen. But you still don't
0: want to see it. You don't want to hear other people's conversations. Well, yeah.
1: No, no, I get it. But at least that would make sense to me. But it's when people are just completely not paying attention to what's actually happening. You're like, why are you even here?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you ever had anybody um, in the middle of, like, a mystery-type movie when it's really quiet go, oh, That's hilarious. When a plot point comes and you're like, great, thanks a lot. I was trying to make myself really dumb so it would be a surprise for me at the end. Well, and
1: I think also if you think about the pandemic (laughs) and people being so busy on their couches and then Mm -hmm. forgetting how we behave in public, but also that we are in public, which comes with a certain amount of expectation that there are people around you. So you're going to have to like, you know, exist in the same space with others. But like for everybody, I feel like it's just been a learning curve to get back into that routine right
0: i think so i don't know if we're going to be able to come back um but you know that's why you can wear um earplugs somebody gave me that tip somebody who also deals with having really um it's hard when i hear chewing sounds Mm. i get really angry (laughs) Um, So earplugs are great because you can still hear the movie and maybe it drowns out people talking, too. Mm. So that's how I'm going to adjust. Oh, okay. And then go to Alamo as much as I can. Yeah.
1: All right. Hey, when we come back, uh, sadly, we lost Paul Rubens recently. Mm -hmm. Pee-wee. But the good news is we can still enjoy some new pee-wee content just around the corner. I'll tell you exactly what. Because it turns out Paul Rubens was working very hard up until... Uh, Sadly he left us. We'll be right back here on my
0: Right back here, the Adventures of Bradley my, my, and Dawn, My, my Talk 1071. This is your place for entertainment. Um, sadly, we lost Paul Rubens last week. Uh, he I was really struggling really with, uh, secretly he had cancer for six years. He's most famous probably to everybody for playing Pee Wee Herman. But he was such a visionary and artist and, and just like way beyond what a normal, I don't know if you would categories like a normal average everyday comedian he was so much more than that and you found out that he was working on some projects
1: yeah so i'm super excited because while we're all sad that we've lost uh paul rubens turns out we have some peewee stuff to look forward to because he was a busy beaver right up until his passing and uh, i think we're going to be rewarded handsomely as a result so i thought i could um share with The audience, some of the projects he was working on, mostly, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but he uh, was working with HBO, uh, who was planning a documentary on Paul Rubens, and they got everything that they needed before he passed, and by that I mean all of the conversations they wanted to have with him uh, about his life for this uh, Paul Rubens documentary, so that means that this co-production and this is a co-production between HBO Direct documentary films and Ilara. Um, I don't know who Ilara is, but I'm sure they do great work. Uh, <laughs> Uncut Gems directors Josh and Benny Safdie, their partners oh. Sebastian Bear McClard, as well as Joker producer Emma Tillen- Tillinger Koskoff, Matt yeah. Wolf is directing. Wow. So, wow. excuse me, what? You okay? Oh no, don't cough.
0: I was just so excited about that list.
1: Yeah. But it no, but it it does it does appear to be like a an actually pretty talented group that's putting this together and um I'm excited that we're actually going to get to see this because it would be a shame to not have something to reflect on the life not just that they wouldn't have done this otherwise but to have had him there for the process, right? Mm-hmm. So that they could have the conversations with him about, you know, essentially all of the things throughout his life that made his career so memorable
0: yes and uh i'm sure he was you know obviously he was well aware of his condition and um gave them you know i mean he was working on things so that he could probably have a lasting legacy i would assume you know Yeah, no,
1: I'm sure this was very important to him to to be able to, you know, get this done before he passed. And I will say that there was what tipped me off to all of this work was that TMZ had a story saying um, that he was working on various projects before his death. And sources told TMZ that he had good days and bad days toward the end. But when he was feeling up to it, he would get quite a bit done. He apparently would spend upwards of 40 hours total on interviews that he'd done for this HBO documentary. And so between that and the inter- interviews that they've done with others, I think up to like 25 other people, they've got like thousands of hours of, of uh, footage that they can choose from. Wow! Um, in addition to the documentary, TMZ also cited that he had worked on a memoir and that the first draft of that was completed before he passed. So that is likely something we'll also get, which th- I-, I would just be fascinated mm-hmm. to hear about you know, his life from himself. It's also not, uh, it doesn't go unnoticed that this documentary is with HBO because HBO has of course worked with Paul Rubin since his show, yeah. like his stage show back in like the 19 late 1970s, I think early eighties. And they actually showed it on HBO. Wow! So, I mean, ha- they have a long history together. So kind of, kind of appropriate that they would be the ones working on this documentary of his life and I'm- legacy.
0: I wonder um, what other because it said in the article that he had several projects. I wonder what the other projects are. Yeah,
1: I think they in the in this article they just referenced the documentary and the autobiography. Yeah, um, but as far as I'm concerned, that'll keep us busy for a while.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the I honestly, I'll be honest with you. I honestly, I'll be honest. Honestly, I didn't really know what else that he had worked on. Other than Pee Wee's Playhouse and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like I'm not familiar with the rest of his work, but it looks like he did uh, quite a bit of oh, voice he did a lot. work.
1: Well, and he did like television and movies. Like there he was on like 30 Rock and um gosh, other movies in the early two thousands. So he 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 went away right mm-hmm. after the scandal of the late nineteen nineties. Or was that mid-1990s? It was like 1991. Ninety-one. Oh, God, it was 91. Okay, so early 90s. Um, and he, you know, he was sort of persona non grata for a while in Hollywood. Um, but then came back, I know, at least in the early 2000s and had, uh, you know, roles in other films and TV.
0: I see that he was involved in The Nightmare Before Christmas in concert at the Hollywood Bowl. I hmm. mean, he played a character that's multi-talented right there lot of voiceover work um that he did and maybe even uh producing some of these shows too um so oh yeah it's it's just too bad that we lost him so soon
1: Yeah, but like I said, we've got definitely things to look forward to. I know um, I have been wanting to go back and watch Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you
0: Pretty sure that's JLo and P.S. The person behind all of this is
1: Chris Jenner.
0: LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday, so the fun never ends.
1: Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. I just haven't had the chance to do it yet because that movie was, you know, so just inspirational at that point in my Life because it was just this like unbridled creativity, but also kind of subversive. <laughs> it was kind know, of weird and creepy dark. and weird. And yeah, that was basically me <laughs> Um just because, you know, he he had this world of make believe that was a fun and safe place to be right. Like if you want if you think if somebody tried to sell you on that show now, I don't think people would appreciate it the same way that they did back then. That is Pee Wee's Big uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, the Saturday morning show that he did, and it was such a trailblazer. If you think about how opening and well or open and welcoming that show was, and really like the messages that it was sharing was super subversive. That like you know there is a place for everyone, and it doesn't matter what you look like or sound like or you know I, I thought pretty pretty. um pretty countercultural for the moment that that show was actually out. Like if you looked around at the world at that time, not the most open, not the most welcoming and definitely not necessarily a safe place for people who are different, Mm -hmm. but his show sort of, you know, allowed that space.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, and, and the jokes were um, above kids heads. (laughs) Yeah, Sometimes, but they still,
1: they didn't talk down to the kids, right? No, like he, not at he, all. He truly created a, a place for kids to just kind of play and be silly and, you know, yeah, different. And,
0: and, but it was something that adults could watch too, Absolutely. is what I mean. Like my yeah. mom, I would be watching, I think it was like sixth grade or something, maybe. Yeah. Um, And I would be watching it and she would be like quilting or something in the background, probably quilting yeah. or sewing something. And she would just chuckle and just like you know, she would just laugh. But I was like, why are you laughing at that? You know, I didn't really know yeah. some of the things and none of it was dirty, but it just had like a really, really funny uh, just plot lines and, and comedy that was just appealing to both kids. Yeah, which and I adults. think is
1: totally a testament to his, you know, brilliance or genius that he was able to, you know, entertain adults while at the same time taking, you know, children seriously and giving them a place to play and be silly and yeah. All that stuff.
0: I was trying to find where you could stream it. It looks like IFC. It has a season on there. Um, but as far as like streamers go, you would think that you could, you can rent them on Prime, but um, you could probably maybe, buy them on like,
1: like Apple. Yeah, right? for or sure. On iTunes or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe Max will get it at some point. That would be nice. Yeah. You know, since they started his career on TV. Really?
1: Absolutely. All right. Uh, when we come back, Don, why don't you take a moment to explain who's going to be joining us, because we have a very special guest who's going to be joining us on the other side of this break.
0: Okay, yes, so we have, uh if you watch Love is Blind Season 2, we have Nick Thompson who's going to join us, and we actually talked about his story on Friday. Nick Thompson was featured heavily. He had one of the relationships where they actually got married from the show, and um he now can't find a job he applied 400 places and a lot of it he thinks has to do with how he was portrayed on the show so and we're going to ex- talk about go ahead
1: no i was just going to say and his experience led him to create an organization
0: yes the you can foundation so we're going to talk to him next should be a good interesting story
1: fabulous we'll speak with nick thompson on the other side of this right here on the adventures of bradley and dawn on my talk one oh seven one. from my friends at Little Blind Spot and Hunter Douglas. Not only do select Hunter Douglas Duet Honeycomb Shades qualify for a U.S. federal tax credit of up to $1,200, but you can save even more money with rebates on Duet Honeycomb Shades with PowerView Automation. Get a $150 rebate when you buy four Hunter Douglas Duet Honeycomb Shades with PowerView Automation and receive a $38 rebate for each additional unit with PowerView. Exclusions and restrictions apply. Now is the time to take advantage of some major credits and rebates. Hunter Douglas Duet Honeycomb Shades are amazing and available in many fabrics, including light filtering, room darkening, and blackout shading options. Visit the Little Blind Spot showroom in downtown Hopkins today and let their experts help you through Every step of the process, or check him out online at littleblindspot.com. And don't forget to tell him Bradley sent you. Sing it with me. The Little Blind Spot. Take the troll, take, take
0: the soul, take your phone. The and Adventures of Bradley and Don. My Talk, 1071, Everything Entertainment. Uh, we have a very special guest, Bradley, on the phone with us. He was on the cast of Love is Blind season two. And uh, we actually read a story about him. If you uh, heard us on Friday talking about an Entertainment Weekly story about how this individual cannot now find a job after appearing on a reality show, this is who we're talking about. Uh, Nick Thompson, welcome to the show. Hello,
2: hello. Thank you for having me on.
0: Hey, no problem. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So during this, we have the SAG after strike going on. We have a writer's strike and I found your, uh, the article about you really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about being on the show, love is blind and how the experience was for you? Sure.
2: So um, I was cast on love is blind season two, where I met um, my wife and now ex-wife in the whole experience. And, at the time, I was, uh, uh, you know, VP in tech marketing. So my whole career experience, I took some time. I took three weeks of vacation to, to go film uh, the parts of the show that were in L.A. and Mexico. And that whole experience there was really tough because, you know, in the moment, you don't really know the type of exploitation that's going on. It took me a few months after the show aired to really start to, like, process that some of the stuff I was seeing on this screen didn't align with my memory and, Mm. you know, seeing myself that I had like lost, remembering that I had like lost 15 pounds in three weeks because of lack of food and uh, access to water. And so all these things kind of coming back up and I realized like, hey, this is really exploitative. There are no rights, like you, you work 18 to 20 hours a day, you sign contracts that say they can defame you, they can misrepresent you, you have no recourse, you cannot be part of a union. Just all of these things wow. that, that really violates, in some cases, your basic human rights, but in other cases, the law. Like the right. Constitution, you know, says you get freedom of speech, and here you send that away. Um, and you have to go with the edit or they can fine you up to a million dollars each time you go against the edit, which oh so is very gosh. exploitative and very, yeah, very damaging, um, to, to people in a lot of cases, you know, Nick, you said, I don't even have it as bad as some people, some people get just completely edited into a villain.
1: Yeah. You know, Nick, you said it took you a while to sort of realize what actually, what it was like, uh, you know, the, and it took until after you were done, were there any signs while you were filming or part of that experience that maybe you sort of brushed off like, Oh, you know, that's just different or weird or kind of strange, but you didn't really think about it twice that in hindsight, you were like, Oh, that's problematic.
2: Yeah. So first and foremost, it was the being recorded 18 to 20 hours a day, Mm -hmm. right? When we were there, we were inside, unless you were um, allowed to use the, the restroom which was the only time you'd ever get to get outside during that time uh so you don't know what day it is you don't really know what time it is there aren't any clocks um you know i had one day i had to go back to the hotel because we stayed for those you know five to seven hours we weren't filming we were all in a hotel uh which by the way like in the moment, they take your wallet, they take your passport, you don't get a room key, you're literally held prisoner wow. in your hotel room when you're not filming. Wow. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. you don't, yeah, you don't have access to the phone or internet, which they tell you that, but they don't tell you about the rest of that until, you know, they slowly make you feel comfortable when you first get there. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, give us your phones. We all knew that. Okay, now we're going to take your wallet, uh, we're going to take your passport. Uh, We're going to go through your bag. And you don't really think about these things in the moment, but it's totally damaging. And so I had one day where I had a migraine and I had to go back to the hotel for a few hours and it was just like lack of food, lack of sleep, lack of um, hydration. And I just remember like, they were like, are you hungover? I'm like, I barely drank because I didn't drink very much on that show because I saw what was happening with that.
0: And that was part of the problem. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, That was part of the problem that I've heard that, you know, they didn't provide you. uh, You feel like it was on purpose, just a lot of alcohol, not a lot of just like you were limited on your water and food, sleep deprived. All of these things that are the basic things that were terrible working conditions (laughs) and isolating you from one another that you feel like. Did you feel like it was purposeful so that you could be at your worst when they filmed?
2: I completely agreed. Um, at the time, I thought it was kind of circumstantial. It's like, oh, they have more important things to do than get me water. Oh. You know, And that, but, you, you know, that, that thinking like that, I was like, well, that's not the right way to think. Like, they're at, you know, we are completely at their mercy. We can't go anywhere without permission. We can't talk to anyone without permission. We can't get food on our own. Like, I would have door dashed some food and water to <laughs> my my quote tell if that was possible. So it really was the looking back on it when I realized, like, this isn't right. And there were a few times when we were filming, you know, there's the famous scene in, in Mexico uh, between Danielle and I. And that, that's one of those scenes where, I, like, when I watch it on TV, I'm like, this is what happened. Wow. Um, so, you know, there I noticed something was wrong and we were going to leave. Uh, they they talked us into staying. But, um, you know, that was wh- where they sent me in to talk to her about the couple's party, not telling me that she had – this had a panic attack and wasn't feeling well which is obvious right yes. he's going to feel well after panic attack but they forced us to film and this was after <sighs> she couldn't even go to the party and be alone other people but she was allowed to be filmed mm-hmm. so oh it's, my gosh it's just like you look back on that and it just seems nefarious um you know you hear other producers have had quit we had a producer that was on our on our couple time and she quit over a variety of things um you know one of them being the way that they were treating us oh. there's been e- even people from love is blind producers have spoken out and said yeah we would have to intercept uh requests for water and drinks and bring them alcohol <sighs> so it's just a it's just a toxic environment to bring you down to an unhealed damaged version of yourself that's constantly in a state of anxiety and on edge
1: if you guys are just joining us, we're talking to Nick Thompson from Love is Blind about sort of the reality of reality TV and his experience. So Nick, <laughs> you you leave the experience, you start to think twice, you're probably communicating with others about their experience, and you're forming all of these ideas and thoughts in your head. Well, that leads to an organization. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization that you
2: started? Sure, absolutely. So last year, as I mentioned, um, I went through a very public divorce, which is Um, You know, very challenging. Divorce Mm -hmm. is challenging on its own, let alone in in the public eye. Um, And then shortly uh, thereafter, that was when I lost my job and I just felt like I was at rock bottom. Um, And I actually just wanted to, like, leave any kind of spotlight. And so I I took a a little bit of time off uh, from social media around the end of the year and beginning of the year. And I was just like, you know, I'm so much happier like this, I mean, I contemplated deleting it completely yeah. um, and just focusing on, on LinkedIn, where mm-hmm. you know I had built my career and sort of built my, my um, uh, knowledge base there and, and community. So that was my plan. And then there was a, a reporter from Business Insider that reached out and asked if I would be willing to be interviewed for an expose on Love is Blind and the treatment of, of the cast. And I sat on it. I marinated in it for a little bit. And I was like, this is just going to pull me right back where I don't want to be. Like, I want to yeah. get out of this, this world. And um, then I, I, I always think to myself, somebody should say something when something's wrong. And mm-hmm. then as I grew up and I got older, I was like, wait a minute, I can say something. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of my, my motivation with Jeremy Hartwell, who is, um, you know, one of the co-founders. And he had been pitching this to me and I'm like, I just don't want to be involved in this, this world anymore. But then, you know, doing that interview and realizing this is really messed up. And this is unfair. This is exploitative. And we have been, you know, denied basic human rights, not given any support for the mental toll that this whole thing takes on you. And um, that's when I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I have to do something. And so you know, unionizing crossed my mind. I'm a OG yeah.
0: um
2: from 2008, worked on Obama campaign, worked on Bernie campaigns. Cool. Just recently in, in Chicago with the Brandon Johnson mayoral campaign, um, you know, as a surrogate. And I really, I really know how this works. But I knew that before we did any of that, there needed to be support for reality cast members legally and for their mental health. Because, these shows may say they give it to you, but they don't. And if they wow. do, they have a nefarious reason for doing it. Uh-huh. And those those yeah, those therapists, those mental health professionals, they're on the payroll of the production company in that case. And that's uh oh they need to be independent, in my view. Yes. The like neurologist needs to clear an NFL player from the concussion protocol because if the team is in a bind, they're gonna send that quarterback out there yeah. even if he's concussed. So yeah. I kind of think of it like that. But, so that was the, the foundation. You can unscripted Cast advocacy network. And our goal is to make sure right now that um, every Cal- reality cast member has access to mental health support pre during and post show and any legal support they need for contract abuse, um, any situations they might find themselves in. And just a general understanding of what these contracts mean, because they are 30 pages, they Ugh. have run on sentences that you, you can't even process what you're reading. And there's things that, you know, violate the law. So, um, you know, getting getting that support up there is, is step one. Uh, driving awareness and organizing, uh, especially right now with SAG and WGA, as you said, Hollywood is on strike, which means more reality TV production because you don't need actors, writers, and reality casts have yes. no union representation.
0: Yes and Those they are really Exactly. Yeah. Um well that's just amazing that you decided to speak up. I, I do have a question about the production because since we're audio people, we we're, we're DJs, I notice yeah. things in shows where it feels like it's ADR or it feels like maybe they mashed up like comments from one conversation to another to paint you as somebody that you're not. Did you ever see anything like that or am I just making that that's up in my head? Wonderful.
2: No, that is called Frankenbiting. Um it's a term used where they can basically take anything that you've said at any point and put it yeah. on any other piece of video and you're mismatching you're mixing matching these things mm-hmm. and it's just not you're able to then just create a character instead of accurately representing yeah. what the person is, what the situation is, um and what's going on. And I've talked to on my podcast, Eyes Wide Open, I've talked to various cast members who you know, were edited into a villain is the name of one of the episodes, um, you know, with, with Alyssa bar from Married at First State in Australia. I have um, I have heard countless stories of people that have just been completely edited out of order, misrepresented. Um, they said something in one scene and it got played in another. We're on to it. Someone was.
0: Yeah. We're on to it. How is that legal? That's defamation. Yeah, It <laughs> is. It- Thank you. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to chat with us and our audience because I know they're fascinated. You know, we love to watch these shows, but here on our show, we love to, you know, sort of dig deeper and go behind yeah. the scenes and kind of understand what's actually happening. So you're painting a very clear picture. If people want to learn more about the organization that you help to create or the work that you guys are doing, especially knowing that we're now in this place where others are trying to raise this very uh, issue during the writers and, and actors strike about reality tv can you tell them where they can uh, you know find out more and and join the uh, join the effort
2: absolutely so you can visit the ucanfoundation.org that's u a c n foundation.org uh, we are accepting, you know, volunteers. We have over, I think we're at 450 plus mental health professionals in our network. We're oh, hitting great. almost 100 entertainment lawyers. So there's people getting involved. Obviously, donate if you can. We're not for profit. The entire staff is is doing pro bono work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to this. And then you can find me on Instagram. I talk about all of this all the time. Uh, I talk about the WGA. I talk about the strikes. Same with my podcast, Eyes Wide Open. And lastly, I want to say to the audience, Love is Blind is going to be filming this fall in Minneapolis. So there's a new season coming. They're casting for it right now. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you, if you're in that process, to reach out to us so that we can be of support as you go through your Mm. experience um, of the casting process. And we can hopefully... um, Maybe get Minnesota to be a little bit more ethically. That
0: yeah, would be wonderful. So that's amazing. Yes.
1: Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us. And, uh, Dawn, if you, I'm sure everything. That- I,
0: all the show. Yeah. We'll put all of your podcasts and all this on our show page in the links section. One last thing before we go when I watched your season and you were sweating so much outside <laughs> I we my boyfriend and I were screaming at the TV, get him some water get him inside, you know what I mean because that was really unfair of yeah. them to do that to you, so <laughs> I just wanted to say that, that you had two people in Minnesota screaming at the TV for you so, well Nick, thank you so much for thank actually you shutting the, butt, the Adventures shutting of Bradley bowl, and Dawn, my talk one oh seven one, everything on entertainment on uh, on. I saw this article about Tori Spelling and I had to share it with you Uh,
1: We're obsessed with Tori Spelling. We are. Mostly because she's a mess.
0: Right. (laughs)
1: Well, there's but, something going on, and it seems like mostly just her trying to get attention for another reality show. What do you know?
0: Well, I have a page six article here titled How Tori Spelling Shopped Her Way from $150 Million Mansion to an RV Park.
1: Oh, God. Are they trying <laughs> to say she? the reason she's in an RV is because she's broke? Uh,
0: yeah, that's correct. Uh, now, when they say $150 Mansion, they're talking Millions about dollar. the uh, $150 Million. They're talking about her father, Aaron's mansion, and Candy, her mother, uh, where she grew up, which is um, known to be one of the biggest mansions yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, that's It has 123 like rooms. Right, but she grew up there. And um, this article says, well, we do know if you follow the show that she was photographed living in a campground in Ventura County with her five kids. After now,
1: being in a $150 a night hotel, motel.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes yeah, so we have sell, 150 million sell. and 150 dollars just that yeah. the contrast there yeah and they're saying the sources say that um her shopping habits that is why she has landed here she oh, says it's because of she's mold she's a
1: shopaholic
0: right um so she yeah she claims, well, I thought it was mold well um in maybe it is mold and that can be true but they're just saying she cannot go. She does not have the money to go to a bigger um, a home, another home, which she should be able to. Their household bills ran 100 grand a month. The source says there's no end to her spending. In 2016, she had a room stacked to the ceiling with boxes she didn't even open. Quote, this is from the source. There were clothes stuffed into the bathroom with price tags still on them. Besides her shopping, there's pet care, hospital stays, private schools, you name it. The house was a pit filled with animals like pigs, snakes, and ferrets. Wow. It's White Trash Central. (laughs) It's White Trash Central.
1: Well, just because she's got animals or what? She
0: has... um, Pigs, snakes, ferrets.
1: I do remember her her obsession with animals. Like, she loves animals. I don't know why, but I remember the pig for some reason. Well, that must have been a plot point at one at one of her TV shows.
0: Maybe. I mean, so is Paris Hilton, but she has like a mini zoo for them behind her large house. <laughs> so, these storylines are just, which we we've speculated this, but the source says that all of these stories about her and Dean breaking up, it's all... They're all made up just to have publicity because they're trying to find a reality show. We say, this, we say this every day, and we just think that everybody knows that, but page six is now putting it in print.
1: Okay, yeah, so they're trying to paint a picture because it's page six. Also, God only knows, one of her PR people is like trying to work an angle to make you feel sorry for her. I would just say, though, as you look through the pictures of her, uh, the RV on the beach with her family, that's a $100,000 RV.
0: It sure is. Is that's... she renting it?
1: Uh, whether she's renting it or owning it, I'm just saying like, I don't feel sorry for Tory Spelling. I mean, I don't want her if it's whatever the mold situation is like she would have you believe like this almost like destroyed her family. I don't know the situation. It seems like wherever Tori Spelling goes, there's a little bit of drama, some of which is played up for media or perhaps manufactured, mm-hmm. um, a.k.a. that alleged mistress from Canada, Emily Goodhand. Remember, Yeah, her? they
0: mention her in this article. Of course they do, because you can't, she doesn't exist. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a simple Google search, back in whatever year that was, like twenty sixteen. Ah. No, it was probably twenty oh. Not I don't know oh, twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time ago. Moral of the story is, I'm always suspect when there is a Tory spelling headline, and I'm looking through these photos, and I'm like, this is not a woman who's struggling right now in terms of like resources she got a hundred thousand dollar rv her kids are living the life on the beach look at her walking from the shower Mm -hmm. on the campground in her robe with her big like dynasty you know bath towel on her head (laughs) and her makeup kit
0: Mm. like this yeah um what are
1: we doing here
0: we're trying to get a reality show now candy apparently candy spelling her mother people have been really critical of her saying why is your daughter living on the beach well no bleep she she apparently according to this article it says um she did step in to help candy spelling has a very protective team who (laughs) claims thursday that candy found a house for tori and her family but Tori turned it down
1: okay well why do you think that is
0: i don't know because then there's no there's no show Or maybe she just we don't know what's going on with their relationship. But if your mother, you just your your mother, who you were estranged from for quite a while, says, let me put you in a house. Well, here's what I do.
1: Here's what I do. Grandkids are going to the house. Mom, you can do whatever you want. You and Dean can live wherever you want. You want to be in a van down by the river. Fine. Yeah. But my grandkids are not going to suffer because you two are either shopping for a reality show or can't pay your bills. So, like, if I'm the rich mom, mm-hmm. in this case, if I'm Candy Spelling. You would
0: love to be Candy Spelling.
1: Who wouldn't love to be Candy Spelling? You've got all that Aaron Spelling money.
0: Okay. I just want to go back in time but and my, be younger.
1: Oh. I mean, what, like, just for... She's
0: 78, I think. Oh. I mean, just because you can spend more money, have more time to spend the money.
1: I, I, I'm just saying, like, if I'm rich grandma, that's, you know, and Tori calls me, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to... If Tori doesn't want a house, that's fine. But guess what? My grandkids aren't going to suffer because you can't get it together
0: well they can't just live there alone well you know i mean they have liam who's 16 stella's 15 hattie's 11 finn is 10 Bo is 6
1: my point is if this is all for a reality show yeah like come on take
0: back. the house we want to see you in a house we don't want to see you living in a van down by the beach unless
1: they're camping see the other thing is they could just be like on it because Tory loves the headlines so she doesn't maybe need to contradict them if it makes them look like they're in a van down by the river when really they're in a hundred thousand dollar rv camping you know maybe they're just enjoying a nice summer
0: well i don't think that's the case i think she's hopping from place to place so why? she that's why? what i
1: can't understand
0: because she wants to make it's the poor little rich girl girl thing but cause... where's dean I don't know. Probably off with Emily Goodhand. <laughs> or Patricia Goodfoot. Who knows? Yeah, Patricia
1: Badfoot. <laughs> Emily Goodhand or Patricia Badfoot. Oh, oh That story is never going to end.
0: Uh, yeah, but I, I liked this article about the it. ferrets I and love, the pigs. and
1: the... <laughs> Well, and just the band down by the river. Hey, yeah. it's pickle season. You guys, when we come back, what do you like to pickle? We're talking <laughs> pionkles. Call in with your favorite pionkle.